This dog is quite literally chewing on my toe. It's fucking nasty. Of course you got the dog with the foot fetish. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's going to be the opener right there. <laughs> Hey, besties. Hi. <laughs> We're here. Episode four. Of Isn't That Odd Podcast and all things spooky pod. We're your hosts. I'm Paul. And I'm Brianna. And today we have quite an episode for you. A very special episode. This is going to be our Valentine's Day special. Um, we're going to be talking about true crime stories that revolve around love unfortunately oh love don't you love it love love i don't actually but <laughs> that's fair cupid hit us with the zero today and we are all about the love even if it ends a little deadly oh that was so corny <laughs> thank you it's really kind of a streak that i have going at this point oh uh, yeah um because i feel like i say a lot of corny things each, each episode and so i just have to keep that going mm. Fair yeah. Enough. So today we decided to switch it up. We're out of our usual cycle. And since we completed that, we thought we'd, you know, switch it up a little bit more. Keep you ev- keep everyone on their toes and do a little bit of a special. So with Valentine's Day right around the corner or at the time of posting this, probably. It is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day now. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you guys are doing some fun stuff with yourself or, with, you know, you're sitting for another if you have one, if you don't. I hope you're surrounded by love and you're doing things. Even platonic love can be celebrated today. We love that. Yeah. Take care of you. You know what? It's all about love. So give some extra love to yourself today. Yeah. Even if you are with someone, just give some self, give some extra love to yourself today. That means too. get in the car, go to Target, and spend some money. Stop at Starbucks first because Obby. you can't shop at Target without stopping at Starbucks first. Do a little stroll. And just have some time to yourself. Spend that money, girl. What's okay. money if you can't spend it? True. But also be really good and save. Don't do that. Just spend your money. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but save. So, <laughs> yeah, today we are both going to do true crime. And I have the honors of going first. The floor is yours, my dear. I'm really excited about my story. And we're going to kind of take it back to January 1st of 1983. And... Why do you think that day is significant? Does that ring any bells to you? January 1st, 1993? 1983. The only thing I can think of is aerosol cans, really high hair, and not a good fashion sense. How about the internet? Nope. (laughs) Great, because this date is actually the believed official birthday of the internet. In the 80s? January 1st, 1983. Before this time, various computer networks did not have a standard way to communicate with each other. The World Wide Web. Correct. Okay. And speaking of communicating with each other and the internet, what do the sites IMVU, Stickham, Chatroulette, Omegle, Yahoo <laughs> Chat, MSN Chat, AIM Wait. have in common? Shout out to Omegle. <laughs> I should not have been on there. No. Dude. What do, what do all those have in common? Unsolicited. That's right. <laughs> They're the type of chat room. You're so smart. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you say this takes place in 83? No, no, no. I'm just 
No, no, I'm just saying, you said... 19, January 1st, 1983 was the date I just talked about, yeah. The story doesn't talk about it. It was just my fucking opener. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what type of experience did you have with chat rooms during your early internet days? Um, Not good. I can say that... <laughs> I'm sure everybody my age agrees. We used to be on Omegle, and it was like a fun thing, you know, to like be on it and do like the chat roulette. And then all of a sudden, people were just like exposing themselves to children yeah. over the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then when there were times where I wasn't on that, and you know, fearing for my life on there, I'd be on like Club Penguin. We loved being oh, some good Club Penguin. Oh, we love Club Penguin. I count that as a chat room because quite a, that's the main object. It's just a you know waddle around and talk with your friends. Not so. me. When I was playing Club Penguin, I was being a spy. I was doing all them spy missions. <laughs> I was um, trying to build a nice little igloo. I did not care about that. I wanted to be a spy. I was looking up the cheats on YouTube for it. That's all I did on Club Penguin. That's all I still do on Club Penguin. Uh, R.I.P. Club Penguin. Club Penguin's not around anymore. Okay, well, what it was. Officially. When it was. Um, did you also play, like, Nicktropolis? Did you ever hear about Nicktropolis? It was essentially, like, if you took Club Penguin but themed it Nickelodeon and it was people and not penguins. I don't think so. It was a lot of fun. And Neopets. I didn't play Neopets. Which, I was a Webkins girlie. Truthfully, girly. to this day, I still log on from time to time. And I'm like, hey. I was a Webkins girly. And I actually just deleted uh, Webkins off my laptop the other day because I was like, I haven't played this in a long time, but I was playing it for a hot minute. And I'm not afraid to admit I that. I was a big, big Webkins boy. Webkins? Webkins. Webcams? <laughs> no, I wasn't a cam girl. Um, <laughs> That was in my later years. So <laughs> Webkins was... A very big thing. I remember always going out with my mom, and she'd be like, you want a Webkins? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'd get the... Because that was the times when you would buy one, and you'd yeah. have to redeem the code, and that's how you got it. In the now game. it's crazy, though. Now you don't even have to buy them. I, like, signed up, and I was like, oh, I don't even have a code for it. It lets you pick a free one. Dude, I remember back in the day when I used to play as a child, like, you had to buy one. And if you didn't, they were like, sucks, bitch. Yeah, and that's... Play. I had so many of them. And when I got sick of them, I think my mom just hoarded them all because there was nowhere else for them all. And she just had them in a room until she finally got rid of them. I don't think I really had that many. I think I only had like three. Oh, no. I had a bunch. They were that expensive. Was, that was my thing. They were too expensive. So, talking about all that, why all this chat room talk, you may ask? Well, for today's special Valentine's true crime story, I decided to focus on Thomas Montgomery in the internet chat room love triangle that turned deadly. Hmm. That's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to talk about a different story, but okay. I'm ready. What did you think I was going to talk about? I don't know. Okay. I don't have one off the top of my head, but that's not the one I thought you were going to say. Okay, I'm great. sorry. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the time is 2005, springtime to be exact, and the day is winding down. You decide to turn on your computer and hit up the popular gaming site pogo.com to play some games, unwind, and mark another day into the books. Side note. Have you ever heard slash been on that website? No, I was literally just going to be like, what the fuck is Pogo? It's essentially just like a big gaming site where you could have like chat rooms and stuff. Oh. The yeah. only gaming website that I was always on was girlsgogames.com. What is that? Girlsgogames.com is a website that used to have like all kinds of girls games on it. So like I remember specifically you could put like dress up, you could do like little nail games. It was just girlsgogames.com. It was the best website ever. Interesting. It's my favorite. I used to play all before. the Barbie games on there. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that is until you receive a chat request from a username Tall Hot Blonde. <laughs> Wrong. This exact scenario was played out at the time by a 46-year-old man, Thomas Montgomery, from New Hampshire. He is a machinist, Sunday school teacher, former Marine, husband, and a dad of two children. Going by the username of Marine Sniper, the instant message 
coming up on the site from the user Blonde was one that was seemingly worried that this older man was on the kids section of the site, which made Thomas nervous for a moment. Thomas, realizing this could be seen as an issue, you know, an older man playing on the kids side of the site, thought quickly, and suddenly, Thomas was no longer a 46-year-old man, but instead, an 18-year-old Marine named Tommy. Wait, which one is Thomas? Which username is Thomas? Marine Sniper. Okay, so then Tall Hot Blonde okay. is this was person. like, what are you doing here? Yeah, okay. messaging, be like, you're old, what are you doing? Oh, so he's cat. Okay, he's catfishing. He's Correct. catfishing before He is now no longer 46-year-old Thomas. He is 18-year-old Tommy. Mm. As quoted from Thomas in an ABC article, I kept thinking, well, we're going to never meet. I'll just play the game with her. But as can be assumed, since I'm doing a true crime story off this, the simple, I'll just play the game with her, quote, isn't as far as the story goes. As the two played and continued to chat, it was not long before the conversation turned flirtatious, and not long after that, a romance was budding between the two. They were sexing, weren't they? Mm. Mm. Throughout the conversation, tall, hot blonde would eventually be revealed to be an 18-year-old named Jessie, who was a softball (laughs) player from West Virginia in her senior year. Hey, (laughs) Jessie. Not only were the two conversing through text, things started heating up as Jessie started sending Tommy pictures revealing her screen name is true. And then some. What do you mean, and then some? As quoted from Thomas, there were some very provocative poses. Oh, she was busting it open. Mm. Mm. According to Tommy, <laughs> yeah. Where's her OnlyFans link? Different time. Oh maybe. my god, it was OnlyFans before OnlyFans. Crazy. Sorry, go ahead. It was what? The OnlyFans before OnlyFans. Pogo.com? It sounds like it. Love that. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. As with any new young internet teen romance jesse now wanted to see who the man behind the screen was that she was talking to thomas had a plan for this sending jesse his photo from marine boot camp which is only a casual 30 years out of date shady thomas had invented a younger stronger version of himself this new persona was six foot tall bright red hair big shoulders muscles really everything that depicted the very in-shape military boy sounds cute (laughs) the two of them would go on for months seducing each other Tommy would share his tales of combat, which he truthfully only knew about and talked about because he watched and heard about it on the news. That's fucked up. Mm. It's all about that catfish, babe. All the while, Jesse was sending him bikini photos and even a split heart pendant that said Jesse and Tommy forever on it. The talks were apparently so serious at points that the pair would talk about marriage. Marriage. Hmm. Instant messages that were recovered following this case showed that this online relationship, as we can already seemingly tell, had consumed Thomas. He would go on to say that this relationship, quote, became more real to me than real life. This was a sentiment that was shared between the two of them, and they both exchanged gifts, phone calls, love letters, really anything you could think of. According to Thomas, the relationship had become more than flirtatious. In one text, Jesse wrote, I love you always and forever, Tommy. With Tommy responding, I have never felt this way. He didn't say it back. No. Damn. I mean, he kind of did with saying, like, I've never felt this way before. Else. Yeah. This relationship even went as far as the pair having virtual sex. And (laughs) while this made Thomas, quote, feel kind of dirty, he was seemingly in way too deep with her to cut ties. Thomas is also quoted regarding the situation as saying, if I was smart, I would have just ended it. But it was like a drug. A drug that I needed every day. He didn't even sample the poon and he was already like obsessed with it. He was 
he had that virtual sex and he's like yes mommy's so good <laughs> i don't know what that was i'm so sorry That shocked me. I just screamed in the microphone. <laughs> Thomas, anyway. was, Thomas was so in deep with this new online relationship with Jesse that he seemingly was just losing all sense and touch with reality. He was found to have written a note to himself that said, quote, On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46-year-old, in parentheses, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life. West Virginia... Take road to a place <laughs> I belong. West Virginia. Anyway. I don't know the rest. Okay. So it's such a strong romance brewing between the pair. How did this online Cupid love story somehow turn into a true crime story that I'm telling you all about on this very podcast? Can I predict? No. Well, in March 2006, <laughs> almost a year after his initial message, Thomas's online fantasy world comes crashing down to reality. Damn. I've changed your mind. Go ahead, guess. <laughs> well, I think the obvious guess is that she's catfishing him. <gasps> Wait a second. Is someone... No, 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 no. I figured it out. I figured it mm. out. She's real because she sent, like, because there's pictures of her, you mm. know? But I bet someone's obsessed with her, and I bet that person kills him. Mm. That's it. I discovered it. Podcast over. Sure. <laughs> so, on this day, Thomas's daughter was using his computer when an instant message no. from none other than Tall Hot Blonde appeared on the screen. Thomas's daughter would go on to alert her mom, Thomas's wife, obviously, about oh. this message, and this is where she would uncover all about their hidden romance. He was married. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he had a wife and two daughters. Yes, I did. Oh, I wasn't listening. I said he was a husband. You did say that. I know. <laughs> Between seeing the messages they were sending and even finding a box of love letters, photos, and mementos from Jesse, which included a pair of red panties, Thomas's wife was unsurprisingly shocked and disgusted. With this newfound knowledge, Thomas's wife would go on to send Jesse photos of the real Thomas and his family, saying, quote, Let me introduce you to these people. The man in the center is Tom, my husband since 1989. He is 46 years old. Jesse, having learned all this new information, was undoubtedly upset and angry, immediately cutting things off with Thomas and even going as far as telling him he should be in jail for what he's doing. And honestly, yeah. In jail? Yeah. Because he's catfishing her? Yeah. But she's probably catfishing him. But it's like 46-year-old man, 18-year-old. There's just... Ugh. Ugh. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. There's just... Th- well, I just know... Mm. I mean, I guess technically by law, that's... Technically. <laughs> technically. <laughs> by law, that's okay, but more morally... No, no, no. I'm just, saying because I know that, like, she's probably not real, too. I'm assuming. See, because I'm right, so I'm assuming. Whatever. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> Sure, Jan. So while one may think this would be the end of the story, this is truly where it starts to go even more south. Following the breakup with Thomas, Jesse finds out the user Beefcake on this site (laughs) is none other than a 22-year-old co-worker of Thomas's, Brian Barrett. Which, sidebar, earlier when I was doing these notes, and I laughed, you know, like, what are you laughing at? I was like, this username? That was the username. Oh. Because this man willingly chose Beefcake. Or his username. 
Do you remember that? Uh, is it a vine of that little girl who's like, I smell like beef. <laughs> Great vine. <laughs> so Jesse wanted confirmation of this news she was just told of. She asked Brian if everything was true and sought comfort from him during this troubling time for her. However, as the two talked more, it seemed like Brian was more of a fit than Thomas, and Jesse was really just warming up to him. Not before long, Jesse would be sending Brian her photos, similar to the one she sent Thomas, and the two slowly became the next online pair. As soon as Thomas caught wind of this, it was gloves off, and he was enraged. Even as far as saying, quote, Brian will pay in blood to Jesse herself. That is such a guy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Cheat on your wife, and then get mad that your friend... That someone took your other girl. Yeah. Hmm. The pair would make their own presence known in chat rooms, ones that Thomas and her once took up together, and even went as far as letting everyone in there know Thomas was a 47-year-old man, just stopping short of marking him as a pedophile. So, like, they were stomping on his name, see, yeah, when but you wouldn't say it go that as way. far as being like, he's a pedophile. Yeah, when you say it that way now, I see what she means. He should be in jail for it. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean be in jail for it? I get it. All yeah. right. Thomas was becoming vile and spiteful against the couple as time moved on. And then some tides changed. Every time you say Jesse, I want to be like, Jesse? <laughs> Suddenly, Jesse would be sending instant messages to Thomas that had her mad in one instant, but desperate to be back with the man she knew didn't actually exist. One conversation example between the pair went as follows. Ta hot blonde. I ache to be with you, Tommy. Do you Ew. miss it, Tom? Marine sniper. More than you will ever know. My heart aches to hear you call me your Tommy. I wish I could be that 19-year-old Marine for you. Tall, hot blonde. I know, Tom. Although Jessie knew the truth about Thomas, she was seemingly finding her way back into his world and moving away from her new lover, Brian. Even after all that happened, Jessie was rekindling the cyber affair with Thomas, and he could not be any happier. He knew he was way over his head, but he was now seemingly being accepted for being 47, and here he had it. A young, hot girl that wanted him more than ever. He was back to feeling like he had a drug that he just couldn't end. Even continuing to snap at his own wife and consume himself all over again with the internet in the chat rooms. Another discovered chat thread between the two at this time read as follows. Marine Sniper, wish you were nude. Tall, hot, blonde, what would you do? Marine Sniper, stare. Tall, hot, blonde, that's all? Marine Sniper, nope. You might get the magic. Ew. Tall, hot, blonde. Mm, make love to me, Tommy. Ew! <laughs> now, just for some backtracking, Marine Sniper is Thomas, mm-hmm. and Tall, hot, blonde is Jesse. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to reconnect those in yeah, case we yeah, forgot. Yeah. I, we could probably assume, but... Yeah. Almost as quickly as Jesse ran back into Thomas's online arms, she was gone again. Not long after these messages, Jesse would go on to tell Thomas that they were through. And that she was going to take up with Brian again, just like before. I was just going to say, does his wife know that he's talking to her again? I'm sure she has some suspicions, but she never called him out on it or mm-hmm. anything. There was one specific time where she was just like, get off the computer, like, let's go. And he's like, I'm done when I'm done, essentially. So she probably knew there was there was some stuff up. Which, honestly, why didn't she leave him? That's what I was just going to say. At that point? Yeah. If he can't get off the computer, you know there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Just that's it. Yeah. Yikes. And then off, and then Jesse too. She's just like Thomas, and she's like ugh. But Brian. But then ugh, Thomas. But then ugh, oh, Brian. Like she's just 
This bitch is playing a game of ping pong with herself. I loved that reenactment. Thank you. I loved that. I rehearsed it for a while. Um, <laughs> this was practically Thomas's end as the obsession would turn from jealousy into betrayal and revenge because Thomas would end up finding out Brian was going to visit Jesse. Brian was taking a trip down to North Carolina for a personal matter and would go on to text Jesse that on his way back, quote, I'm going right past your house. I'd love to get together. While Jesse originally agreed, she would go on to text him at the last minute to not visit. But this piece of information was not learned by Thomas back home. For all Thomas knew, Brian and Jesse successfully met and that was just not acceptable to him. So he took matters into his own hands. What the fuck? I did not see this this story going this way in a fit of rage and jealousy on september 15th of 2006 just as brian was leaving work thomas would ring out three shots fried directly at brian what the fuck wait yeah because thomas and brian yeah thomas and friends yeah they they're uh co-workers um they're both machinists yeah he said yo i'm talking to this girl and he's like oh word and then they stopped talking and he's like and brian stepped in he slid as in mr DMs. beefcake and he it was just like yo DMs. and then she played ping pong and then he's like yo i'm in town and jesse's like hee hee and thomas learned that but didn't know that they didn't actually meet and so thomas was just like that inexcusable well, and so then you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take so that man had to take a shot <laughs> sadly thomas <laughs> no, it didn't. didn't miss his shots i didn't mean it that way <laughs> i mean brian shooting a shot i know what you meant but. oh Police would find Brian dead in the parking lot and through investigation of Thomas's laptop would find out that the online love triangle, leaving one now important course of action, get down to West Virginia and make sure Jesse is still alive because Thomas is nowhere to be found. Oh, no. Moving the story view down to West Virginia, police would successfully find Jesse's house and be met at the door by her mother, Mary Sheeler. When the police would question Mary about her daughter's whereabouts due to the situation at hand, Mary started getting upset and would eventually reveal that, yes, her daughter exists and is upstairs. However, Jesse isn't the person behind Tall Hot Blonde. Oh, no. It was none other than Mary herself. Wait. What? Yep. It would be discovered that Mary was using her daughter's pictures and name as her online persona to be able to talk to these men. She would go even as far as videotaping under her daughter's dress and sending it to the men, asking if they liked what they see. I was just about to ask, what about all the explicit stuff? I know. That's why I just said, gotcha, and then kept going. Dude! What's even worse, as this is all going on, Jessie, her daughter, had no clue any of this was happening, and of course, gave no permission for her mother to do this. How old is Jessie? She's actually 18. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, those parts in the photos, those are all real, but... The part that isn't Ew. real is it's not Jesse behind all that. It's her mom Ew, posing wait, as her we, daughter. Can we talk about how her mom just took all these like sexually explicit things of her daughter and was just like openly like sending them? Yes. Without Jesse's approval, without any of that, she just did it on her own volition. Ew. Jesse had no idea about her mom's online life, and Mary was only quoted relating to the incident as saying, It was stupid. It should have never happened. I never thought it would go anywhere. That it would end, fall off, and that would be the end of it. While she's right, and it did end, however, the ending was that of murder and not just being written off as a silly, fake online romance. Thomas would soon be charged with and pled guilty to the murder of Brian Barrett, 
In exchange for a plea deal, Thomas would be given 20 years in prison, a sentence that he actively tried appealing years later on the case that his plea was coerced. The evidence hard-linking Thomas to the murder given by the prosecution was a peach pit with his DNA on it found by the murder scene and a photo of his family's gun cabinet, a cabinet that had a type of old military rifle that police initially believed was a weapon of choice in the murder. You really can't get out of that. No. Your evidence was found on the scene of the crime, and then police have an idea of what gun was used, and then they see a photo of your cabinet at your house, and they see that gun, and they're just like... What was his thing? Because when you do a plea, you have to like say why you're doing it. So was he just like, oh, I wasn't there, I was... Blah, 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 blah. What was it? It didn't. It didn't describe that part. Mm, okay. So while prosecutors attempted to go after Mary as well, they unfortunately came up flat due to no criminal lines being crossed. Although she certainly crossed moral and ethical lines, there would sadly need to be more to be able to charge her criminally for the situation. Why would she be charged? Because she kind of like Police, the fire? Well, yeah, because she she essentially led this to happen because she was playing both, like, she was talking about Thomas and then she was like, ew, gross and then went to Brian and then Thomas was just like obviously jealous at that but you know it is what it is at that point he's probably just like i'm a 46 year old man like she's not gonna want to be with me anyways but then when she came back and was just like i want to be with you tommy and like reignited their Feud. affair their mm-hmm. online affair and then dish him again for brian and then he finds out oh brian's coming to see me obviously he's gonna be that's it that's crazy because at this point it's not She's accepted him as a 46-year-old man, and now he probably doesn't see that as the issue. He sees Brian as the issue. Mm, so okay. how do you get rid of the issue? Bow, bow. And I do it again. <laughs> and I do it again. <laughs> In the end, she didn't come out fully unscathed as her husband would proceed to divorce her, and her daughter, thankfully would leave her mother's house and go live with relatives in Virginia. Wait a second. She was also married? Correct. Married with a daughter. A daughter that she used online unknowingly. Mm. In ways Fuck that, that should never be used. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> yeah. The craziest part of it all is that Mary and Thomas were both very lonely, middle-aged strangers just looking for the glory of their youth again as their prime time was now behind them. Had Thomas and Mary actually met in person, who's to say they wouldn't have had been hit by Cupid's arrow and turned into the perfect real-life couple? Probably would have, too, with their fucking crazy asses. Yeah, exactly. That's the what I thought about, is the fact that you have these two people catfishing, that's because they want knew. they want to relive that youth again, and they have this whole thing going, and then they meet, and they're just like, "You're 46, and you're 46," and then they're just like, "We're both equally fucked. Let's fuck," you know. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't actually her. I knew it. I called it. I was right on that front. That's all that matters. You were. I mean, wrong in the sense of Jesse did exist. Yeah. It just wasn't Jesse behind. Yeah. Well, obviously she exists if there's like pictures and stuff like that. Over. That's what I was saying. But. I knew that it wasn't actually her talking to him. But yeah, when I read this story first, I was like, I have to cover this one because that is... Drama! It's just like the epitome of chat rooms. Yeah. You never know who you're talking to. No. That's why, maybe that's why I'm like naturally suspicious. Yeah, me too. That's why anytime I would meet anyone when I was on dating apps and they'd be like, 
oh, give me a Snapchat. I would always make sure to snap them because I want to know that they're real. It's funny you say dating apps because I only have met up with one person off of a dating app. Yeah, me too. And now we're engaged, so. I love that. <laughs> um, I sadly can't say the same, but. <laughs> I did talk to people, you know, but I never actually. I mean, for what it's worth, person. the one time that I didn't use a dating app and it happened naturally, now I'm married. So, like, Jeez. I got that at least. <laughs> dating apps were for my fun times. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was just always convinced that someone would, like, try and murder me or something. So I was always like, skirt. I would just never. Oh, no. I would, before I'd ever meet up with anybody, I wouldn't just be like, yo, let's meet up and then give him, like, an address and go, like, that would never happen. There was always, I would do my own background check beforehand. Yeah, but see, for reasons. That would like, consist of Snapchats or just. Yeah, Snapchat really did help with that. Because I was going to say, reasons like this, I still, le- like, would never believe people. But you can't really fake a Snapchat. Like, you have to send it in the moment. Exactly. I would have people on Snapchat that would tell me to do explicit things in terms of like write my name on a piece of paper and like take a picture <laughs> hold of yourself. a fork <laughs> yeah to make sure like i'm not fabricating it anyway or like you know hold a fork to the sky at yeah. four o'clock with the you know just like some obscure with the th- sun above you <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny yeah so that was crazy th- what'd you think of that that was crazy i didn't expect it to go that way i knew that obviously that jesse's fake but I didn't expect it to go that way. I didn't think that he was going to be the one who was killing people. I honestly thought that Brian was going to kill somebody. I thought Brian was going to be obsessive, and I thought Brian was going to kill mm. somebody. See, I R. when R. I Brian. first read this story and didn't know the meat and potatoes, I expected it to just be like a catfish gone wrong in the sense of they meet up and realize it's not the same person, so one of them just kills. Someone has to call Neve. Yeah. And then I read about Brian and him getting in the mix, and I was just like, oh, no. And then Brian died, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so it was it was a fun story to learn about. Um, but it's anything to be learned. Be careful with uh, who you talk to on the internet. True. Careful who you talk to in general. Especially with the internet nowadays being such a viable source of communication, compared especially to, like, the early 2000s, like we were just talking about. Things now, there's a lot of... AI things, deep fakes, and all that. So you got to oh be God. very careful with speaking, with who you're talking to, what you're doing on the internet. Just be safe. Speaking Take of precautions. AI stuff, have you seen those pictures huh. of like an AI party? Huh? It's like a house party. And so you're looking at the pictures and it just looks like a house party taken on like Polaroids, you know, like from a disposable. And then like the more you look at it, the more that it just looks wrong. Like, the hands will be, the fingers will be too long. There'll be too many fingers on a hand. Like, their faces look weird. It's like AI-made pictures that look real, but when you look at them for too long, you can, like, see how wrong they are, and it gives very much Uncanny Valley. Ew, you have to send that to me, because I'm really interested. Yeah, I saw it on uh, Facebook earlier, so I'll try and see if I can find it again. I'll tag you in it. Nice. I love that. All right, so before we get too mushy-gushy with all the love, (laughs) we're going to take a little bit of a break do some stretching, give you guys some ads. Because, you know, <laughs> we know you love the ads. Are you finished we love with those errands? Are you finished with those errands? Are you finished with those errands? Errands? Errands. errands? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go finish the errands, and then we'll be back, and we'll learn about some more deadly love from Miss Brianna. Okay, bye. You like jazz? <laughs> and we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode four 
our Valentine's Day special. I don't think you have to do the, the intro again. They're not going to I wanted to. Oh, okay. For anyway. all those ads we're going to put it before them, they might forget what they're listening to. That's true. I'm just looking out for them. Anyways, <laughs> just if you're them. here to listen to more love, we got it for you with Miss Brianna coming at us with whatever the hell she got. Coming at you live. Okay. <clears throat> so. <laughs> you know the age-old saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? Well, my story today is a perfect example of, if I can't have you, nobody can. Ooh, saucy. My story today is about the murder of Travis Alexander and Jody Aris. Both of them. Are you familiar with that story? No, should I be? It's a pretty popular in the true crime community. I've heard a few podcast episodes on it. Ooh, I'm ready to hear about it. No, I don't know anything about it. All right. <laughs> At least I don't think so. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I so, want those boots. Sorry. So many SpongeBob <laughs> references today. Okay. So on June 9th, 2008, a small concerned group of Travis's friends entered his home. After not hearing from him for about five days, which they found odd because they were about to be going on a trip to Cancun on the 10th, which is the day Ugh, jealous. after. Um, and they were trying to like coordinate activities and things like that. So the fact that they haven't heard from him, they thought that was pretty weird. You know what's fun? Dolphin swimming. So we went to dolphins. Great time. We did that in our past Cancun trip, and it was a blast. Sorry, I had something in my eye. The water, gross. The experience, 10 out of 10. Uh, I remember seeing the pictures, and I was so jealous. Sorry. It's okay. Just wanted um, to talk about <laughs> it, because it was a lot of fun. Until I got COVID, but that's another story. Go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, upon entering his home... They discovered pools of blood leading to his dead body in the shower. In the 911 call, they implicated Jody as an ex-girlfriend who had been stalking him. Hmm. So Jody is not dead. <laughs> as you, I kind of implied earlier, I didn't mean to imply it like that, but Jody is not dead. It's Travis that is dead. Oh, yep. see. I know. I now. thought, yeah. I, I was just confusion. like, they're both dead? No. Damn. Okay. His friends described him as quote, a real catch, handsome and successful, devotely religious, and an all-around good guy. By adulthood, Travis had converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. he became a Mormon. Mm. <laughs> um, Travis had a job as a motivational speaker for, quote, prepaid law services, which we're going to refer to as PPL for our story, mm -hmm. um, which is basically described as a pyramid scheme kind of deal for legal services. We all have pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. We don't. <laughs> um, so the other person in our story, Jody Aris, was born on July 9th, 1980 in Salinas, California. Um, she claims that she grew up in an abusive household, but her mother says that she had a, quote, normal and happy upbringing. So there's that. And then as an adult, Jody was a freelance photographer and a waitress. And then she started working at PPL in February of 2006. Sounds all normal up until here. And it's going to get into it, so get ready for Nice. <laughs> Jody and Travis met in September of 2006 at a PPL conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada? Nevada? How do you say it? Tomato, tomato. Um, <laughs> I say Nevada. Okay. Nevada. <laughs> 
They became quick friends and reportedly started having a sexual relationship within a week of meeting. Hey, get freaky deaky girlfriend. Which I don't know if you remember, but he's a Mormon. Oh, yeah, that's like mm-hmm. no-no. Yep. Stop. That is my no-no square. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Jody converted to Travis's church and was baptized by him in November of 2006. So she actually got baptized on the 26th of November. And they began dating in February of 2007. And they started a toxic on and off relationship that would last a year and a half and soon turn deadly. Hmm. I threw that dramaticness in there for you because you I love, love that. that. That's my shtick. I know. <laughs> so this relationship was mostly long distance, taking turns traveling back and forth to each other's homes. And the drive was about four hours and nine minutes, according to Google Maps. The drive was four hours. See each other? Mm-hmm. It was four hours? Because she lived in California and he lived in Arizona. Like in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Four hours. No, Nevada is where they met. Oh, sorry. But still. Arizona and Nevada. Arizona is its own state. Hello? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so four she, hours? Yeah, she lived in California. California and Arizona, are, they share a border. No, I know, but still, four hours is Jesus. According to the 2013 book Exposed, The Secret Life of Jody Aris by... Jane Mitchell. Travis had told his friend Taylor that quote Jody had a relationship. I think that means big um, <laughs> sexual appetite and could not get enough. Mm. He supposedly talked to her early on about the importance of marriage to him, which Jody took to mean that he wanted to marry her. Oh. Mm-hmm. He's said to have kept her at arm's length when they were around his friends. While they were obviously having a sexual relationship, it wasn't really a secret, Travis seemed to be conflicted between his faith, which frowned upon premarital sex, because again, he was a Mormon, Mm -hmm. and how he was actually living his life. So he wasn't living up to the values that he wanted to live up to. Uh. And he would take this out on Jody. In texts and emails, he called her a slut and other words like that. So he would really take out on the things that he was doing and what he felt about his religion on Jody. Mm -hmm. Because of this religious guilt... He ended up ending things with Jody, but they continued to hook up even though they ended things. So kind of like a friends of benefit kind of deal. Um, Jody was trying to come off as like a cool girl who was okay with just having casual sex and not being together. Mm-hmm. But Jody was set on being with Travis. So Travis actually started dating a new girl and he voiced to his friends that he believed Jody was starting to stalk him. His friends had a negative opinion of Jody already, stating that the relationship was unusually tumultuous. I can't. Tumultuous? Yeah, how do you pronounce that word? And that her behavior was worrying. They believed she had an unhealthy obsession with him, and she would often eavesdrop on his conversations, hack into his socials, and send threatening messages to women Travis was talking to. She would look through his socials and his emails. She would even forward emails to herself that he was having with other women. Oh, so she was like the extra crazy girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she would do the age-old thing of slashing tires. Mm. Mm-hmm. She was doing. Come on, Carrie Underwood. We don't stand her, though, so... <laughs> Carrie Underwood? No, Jody. Oh, I was going to say I like Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. I don't know why you keep singing in these, because I'm leaving it Carved my name in. into his leather seat. That's all I thought about. This is... <laughs> Took a Louisville slug at the booth head. I'm done. I might edit that out, actually. <laughs> Smashed a hole in all four tires. See? That's what part I was talking about. 
So Travis was originally planning on taking Jody on the Cancun trip that we talked about at the beginning of our story. Yeah. Because they were dating at the time that the trip was scheduled. Makes but sense. But reportedly in April, he switched his plus one to a female friend named Mimi Hall. <gasps> Fucking Mimi. Fucking mint. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were some texts and emails between Travis and Jody from May of 2008, suggesting that Travis and Jody had just gotten into a huge fight. Travis calling Jody a quote psychopath, and Travis even telling his friends, "Don't be surprised if you find me dead one day." Ooh. So like, I'm gonna sidebar my own story. Could you imagine being friends with somebody and them giving you that warning, and then them ending up dead? Um, I don't know if I'd be able to process that, to be honest. Yeah. Because that, <laughs> it's, it's like he gave the warning and we all just hee heed about it, mm-hmm. but. So, Jody actually lived with her grandparents in California. However, I was talking about earlier when you got confused about where she lived. Mm -hmm. Um, Their house was actually robbed in May of 2008. And a gun was reported stolen in the robbery. So, later on in the timeline of events, prosecutors actually speculate that Jody staged this crime to steal the gun. Oh. Because that gun is what ends up killing Travis. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the time between Travis's death on June 4th and the discovery of his body, which was June 9th, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. Jody reportedly left messages on his voicemail. And so she left messages on his voicemail in an effort to place herself away from the crime scene and to appear concerned about Travis's well-being. Because at this point, they were broken up. How we talked about how they broke up. Yeah, he was he with Mimi, right? Girl. He actually wasn't dating Mimi. That was just a friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were just friends. Um... But he was dating a different girl at this point. And you know how I was saying Jody was stalking him. So she's leaving voicemails trying to sound concerned. But, like, why are you concerned if you guys are already aren't together? So she's trying to create, like, an alibi, essentially. Yeah. That way when she's asked about it, I'm like, no, 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 I was in, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You can even listen to his voicemail. I called him. I was worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, it, it didn't work out for her. Um, so during all of these phone calls that she's leaving on his voicemail, she was actually taking a road trip to Utah to see another man. Oh. And when talking to detectives, this man actually told them that Jody showed up with brown hair. And we haven't talked about what Jody looks like yet, but Jody is a blonde bombshell right down to the T. Mm-hmm. She has bleach blonde hair. She got a boob job. She has big boobs. Like, she is a blonde bombshell. And she took pride in the way that she looked. Yeah. And... There's nothing wrong in taking pride in the way you look. No, absolutely not. But when you are, you bleach your hair, you do all this, and all of a sudden show up with brown hair, people are going to notice. It's a I'm bit setting of a the, red flag, babe. Yeah, I'm setting the scene right now, and this will all make sense at the end. I'm just giving you all the information, mm-hmm. and we're going to tie it together at the end, if anybody's getting confused. Give me that pretty little bow, baby. <laughs> so we're going to go back to the scene of which Travis was found dead. Mm-hmm. So at the scene, investigators found a bloody palm print in the hallway and in there was a mixture of Jody and Travis's DNA. They found a long brown hair strand mm-hmm. and then they found Travis's damaged digital camera in the washing machine. It ended up being waterlogged. So on this camera, because, you know, detectives can, they have the technology to fix these yeah. things, they ended up recovering images which include sexually explicit images of Jody and Travis time-stamped around 1.40 p.m. on the 4th. So on June 4th, 2008, which mm-hmm. is the day that Travis died. Mm. The last photo of Travis alive was in the shower, and it was taken at 529 p.m. Don't tell me that's right before he was killed. 
And I actually have the picture. Because he was found in the shower, right? Yeah. So I'm going to show you these pictures. And if you guys want to look at these pictures, it's going to be on our Instagram. Uh, Isn't that odd pod? You can look at those. Follow along. So this top picture is going to be Jody and Travis. Mm-hmm. That's so you can see the blonde bombshell kind of look. Gotcha. And then that second picture is going to be the... The um, last picture of him? Yep. So you can kind of hey. see... Yeah. Yeah. If you go to our Instagram and see it, you can definitely tell this man is going through it or has already gone through it. Yeah, he is very... It's just very telling his the look on his face. So the image right after the one that we were just talking about is actually an image of Travis on the floor bleeding. And Jody's foot is in the bottom of the frame of the photo. Oh, so that's why this man looked distressed is because mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. dying. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, <laughs> so I was going to suggest that too, mm-hmm. but I was like, it can't be. Yeah. Um, so investigators use the timestamps of the photos to determine Travis's time of death. So that's how they know around the time that he died. So Travis's body was found in the shower with 27 stab wounds, a slit throat, and a gunshot wound to the head. Oh. So I don't know if you're familiar with the term overkill. That's a very overkill. Yes. And well, would be not also necessarily. It would also be described as a crime of passion as well. Because if you're here for episode three. That is true. Alison Botha. She, Survivor Queen, love her, bless mm. up. Um, Holy shit, girl, queen, pussy boss. She had a more rough time. I mean, she obviously didn't have the gunshot yeah. wound, but it was, what, 37? I think so, yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Stabbed 37 times and then quite literally, like, sawed three quarters of her neck off. Yep. And she lived to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. So, it is, it, I guess it is overkill, but I even still, I just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Medical examiner Kevin Horn would later testify that Travis's jugular vein, common carotid artery, and his trachea had been slashed and that he had defensive wounds on his hand. Horn later testified that Alexander may have been dead at the time the gunshot wounds inflicted and that the back wounds were shallow. Which I think the back wounds, like the exit wound being shallow, is them kind of proving that he was already dead because there wasn't really like a lot. There wasn't, like, a reaction from the body of it coming out. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That poor man. I would have just preferred the gunshot. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's overkill. That's why we don't stand Jody. No. Throughout the investigation, Jody insisted that the last time she saw Travis was actually April of 2006, despite photographic and DNA evidence placing her at his home the day of the murder. And She... she also... Sorry. Oh, sorry. She must have been very confident that that camera was destroyed. She was very confident, yeah. Because obviously it's a crime scene photo of him bleeding out, but there's photos, you said, of them from earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. But also, when you think about it, I, I don't know if you remember me telling you this at the beginning. Uh, Jody was a freelance photographer. So yes. uh, taking pictures was kind of her thing. Right. So I think that's probably why she uh, decided to do that at that time which is a little crazy if you ask me just a little bit <laughs> she also claimed she couldn't have been there because she was going to utah remember she was going to see a guy oh right 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 yeah and police told jody road trip or not she would have more than enough time to go to arizona to commit the crime the detective that was uh talking to her in this interview um basically said i know you know there's pictures because i have them and so he shows her one of the photos, and he's like, those are all of you. And then Jody just looks, 
and the hair is like falling into her face and she's like that does look like me Ugh. Mm-hmm. so jody then decides to change her story because obviously the police are not buying it so she changes her story and states that she was in the home with travis and they were having sex you know and then two intruders broke in and attacked them both of them killing travis so mm. both the intruders killing travis mm-hmm. but for this there was no signs of forced entry in the home nothing had been stolen and if this happened why didn't she call the police to report it but also if there were two of them they're both just like oh there's two people in this house let's just go after the male mm-hmm. and not a single thing happened to her yeah and so she ran away and then to answer my question about why she didn't call the police was because she was worried that the men would come after her the- <laughs> they're okay <laughs> I mean, granted, it's a on the on the spot fake story, so of course it's going to sound mm-hmm. stupid. But so again, you know, you're not buying that. So she changes her story again. Ah, oh, okay, got for it. the third time, if you're not keeping track. That totally screams innocent. <laughs> this time, she claims that she was taking pictures of Travis in the shower when she accidentally dropped his camera, which threw him into a rage. She claims that he threw her to the floor. And just kept pulling her up and attacking her, and she would drop, and then he'd pull her up, attack her, and she would drop. So she says that she shot him, but she did not remember stabbing him. Oh, he must have stabbed himself as he has a bullet in his head. 27 times. Yeah. He must have been like, damn, I'm going to die from this bullet. Let me just get my lifelong dream of stabbing myself. Like, what? (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um... So, Jody told the police at a videotape that was played at her trial, I did not kill Travis. I don't think I could stab him. I think I would have shot him until he was dead if that was my intention. But I would have worn gloves. Hmm. Got it. So, she's basically saying, like, I didn't kill him, but if I did kill him, I would have shot him. But if I Mm. shot him, I would have worn gloves. Which, I'm sorry, but an innocent person wouldn't say that. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) <laughs> also wouldn't change her story three times, but who's she counting? Al- <laughs> she also said in this taped interview, if I did have it in me to kill him, I at least could have done it in the most humane way possible. So she's saying that I want to stab him 27 times. I just would have shot him because that's more humane. That's thoughtful. But in the end, she admitted to killing him, but she insisted the murder wasn't premeditated. And so premeditated means that she thought about it beforehand, obviously, and would, yep. like, would have planned for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first degree. Yep. And I would just like to point out here, she made an effort to not make a paper trail on her visit to Arizona. She rented a car instead of driving her own. She bought gas and put it in gas cans so that way she wouldn't have to stop and get gas on the drive to Arizona. And in my opinion, dyed her hair brown instead of blonde. So that way she wouldn't be recognized if people saw her in front of Travis's apartment. Because mm. everybody there knew Jody, the blonde bombshell, his crazy ex-girlfriend, yada, yada, yada. But no one would bad an eye at a girl with brown hair going inside with Travis. Because, you know. Do you think it would also be possible that she did it that way if they found brown hair at the crime scene? to be like, oh, it can't be Jody. She's a blonde bombshell, not mm-hmm. brown. Uh, yeah, I don't think she planned on the guy that she ended up seeing in Utah, like, being like, by the way, her hair was brown. Like, I don't think she, I don't think she thought that he was going to say anything about it. I don't know if it's worth anything, <laughs> but when she sent me pictures, she was blonde. 
Um, and when I saw her, she was brown haired. <laughs> I don't know what that accent is, but it sounded right. <laughs> but it was a Utah accent. I'm really curious on how that comes up in a conversation. Unless he was just describing her, like brown haired, well, kind of tall. From what I was reading when I was doing research on it, I think that like. Like, going to see him was her alibi, so obviously the police had to go talk to him. Yeah. And then he was talking to him, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, she showed up with brown hair, which she's always had bleach blonde hair. So I think he was just saying, like, that was kind of weird, because they were probably like, did anything weird happen, you know? Mm. So I think that's how it got brought up. Like, well, she did dye her hair. So the trial began in January of 2013, the prosecution seeking the death penalty against Jody. Something I really want to point out here is, during the trial, Jody completely changed her entire look. So I'm already, we've already talked about how she's a blonde bombshell. Yep. You know, she had bleached hair, she had fake boobs, she would dress very provocatively to show said fake boobs. Right. And there's nothing wrong with dressing like that. No. There's nothing wrong with it. She flaunting what she got. Yeah, exactly. But as soon as she was arrested, she plays up the innocent girl next door persona. She lets her hair grow out in prison. That's how she explains why she has brown hair. Because she's like, oh, my hair grew out in prison. Like, I couldn't. But, you know, we already know that's not true. Yep. And she completely took over the style of being, like, a religious Mormon girl. And I'm going to show you another picture of her, and it's going to be the one on the very bottom. So you oh, see? Oh, yeah. she. Yeah. That's definitely a whole different person compared mm-hmm. to the first one. That's just a... Uh, it kind of gives, like, school teacher vibes. Yeah. Like, um, just innocent, day-to-day. Yeah. So I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but me talking about Jody, she's very manipulative. And she kind of gives, gives you that idea. <laughs> she kind of does this thing of like being very manipulative because she thinks that she can get one over on men. So something that I um, didn't really touch upon, but when she was getting interviewed by police, like there's, you can watch this up on YouTube if you look up her interview and things like that, her interrogation. She's like flirting with these male police officers and like trying to get off the charges by flirting with them and things like that. And then as soon as they bring in a female officer, her whole body changes. She's like, fuck. Because like, what if they're not a lesbian? Like they're not going to hit on her, you know? Yeah, exactly. She has no, she has no chance now. Yeah. So anyway, back to the trial. Jody was indicted on first degree murder charges on July 9th of 2008 and pleaded not guilty on September 11th of 2008. And then, again, the trial didn't start again until 2013. Yep. Jody's defense team tried to paint Travis as a sex and porn addict who they claimed physically, emotionally, and verbally abused Jody. Their whole defense was just to completely slander this poor man. I'm not saying that he didn't have things that were wrong with him because, again, he was supposedly a very religious man but was, like, having this sexual relationship, knowing that he didn't want it to go anywhere because in his eyes she was tainted. Yep. But instead he made her still think that, she, like, that like she could be his wife and things like that. So I'm not saying that he's not an angel, like, he's an angel, because he's not, you know. hmm But that he still didn't deserve to be murdered. No, 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 yeah. not in the slightest. <laughs> um, so on February 6th, Jody testified that she killed Travis in self-defense and said Travis was abusive during their relationship. Also using, like, so using, like, the last version of events that we just talked about, how she said that, like, she was taking pictures of him, she dropped the camera. hmm Yeah. So, again, she's just trying to completely destroy this man's crawl a bit. And he's not even there to defend himself. He's dead. On May 8th of 2013, Jody was found guilty of first-degree murder, but the jurors could not reach a consensus about whether or not the murder, like, was premeditated. 
So the defense argued that Jody had borderline personality disorder and was suffering from PTSD because of her, quote, traumatic childhood and Travis's abuse. They did this to try and convince a second jury not to sentence her to death because she wanted to live. And something that I found throughout my research was that one thing that Jody kept saying was that when she was starting to get convicted for this, she was like, I want the death penalty. Like, I don't like I don't want to be in jail. And then as soon as she got convicted, she was like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Back, back up. I want to live. No, no, I was no, just I kidding. Yeah. It was just a joke. <laughs> and she reportedly was like in court because, you know, you get to give like a testimony and things like yeah. that when you get charged. So she was like in quote with a shirt that said like survivor on it because she kept saying that she was like a survivor of sexual assault and oh, abuse and things she, like that. She is really mm-hmm. fucking playing yep. this up. She's not letting it go. I am sick. I fucking hate people like her. Well, guess what? She got sentenced to life in prison with Good no possibility of parole thing. in April of 2015. As she should. Fuck you. Fuck yep. you. Being so they didn't give her the death penalty, but they did give her life with no parole. Being a victim... I don't want to say victim. That sounds harsh. Mm-hmm. But it kind of... it Being on the end of someone who is such a huge manipulator like that is so life-changing because it has just such detrimental things to especially like my mental health that has Mm -hmm. just lasted for so long granted it wasn't necessarily to her extreme but i mean someone very similar to that i just oh i have no sympathy and that's kind of why i didn't frame my story today as kind of like oh who did it i was just like jody did it these are the facts this is what happened to her Mm -hmm. because she is a manipulator and i'm glad that you brought up that word because after the trial jody ended up suing her former counselor like her former attorney after his self-published book traps with miss Eris, was released and she was suing him saying that he violated attorney client privilege also allegedly he was obsessed with her oh. and had sexual had a sexual photo of her as his screensaver on his computer so her counselor agreed to be disbarred from after like jody's new legal team mm-hmm. filed a complaint with the state bar um so he just decided that he was just going to be disbarred. Yeah. I'm, like, not saying his name because I don't know how to pronounce it and I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> so that's why I'm not saying Got it. it. Um, but basically, he wrote a statement to the Arizona public that I'm going to read today to close out my story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a very good representation of how much of a manipulator that she is. So his statement was, quote, Standing up to the abuse Miss Eris and parted on me upon the years was an important part of my personal transformation and i will continue to fight this battle with vigor as i defend against this lawsuit which is best viewed as a contribution of miss eris's pattern of attacking men who she feel have wronged her of course no one person has suffered more at the hands of miss eris than mr alexander and i look forward to clearing the air on all the derogatory assumptions that miss eris has made about him as i defend against this atrocious claims made in this lawsuit end quote so basically that long ass quote he just said this is what she does she's a manipulator she feels that i wronged her because i couldn't get her off but you know who she wronged the most was travis because you know she killed him yep and he looks forward to clearing travis's name after this lawsuit is cleared what a king and that is the story of the lovebirds travis alexander and jody Harris that i know it's kind of all over the place but no i I in the grand scheme of things when you when you now that you know what happened it makes sense no no i've i followed the story it's just i 
it's I think this is why I enjoy true crime and stories like this so much is because I like being able to see kind of like the brain behind the mastermind, if you will, like the mm-hmm. brain behind the the perpetrator mm-hmm. and why they do things like this and being able to just see Jody in the way that she manipulates. Yeah. And the, what's crazy to me though, is that she thought that she could manipulate her way out of it. Yeah. It's the fact that she did the crime. Mm-hmm. She killed Travis. She went out of her way to make sure there wasn't a paper trail of her being there. Changed her story three times in the middle of police. And then when she realized, oh, damn, they're not believing me. I'm not getting out of this. I'm going to court. Mm-hmm. She tried to fucking swoon the officers mm-hmm. to get one of them to maybe be like, you know what? No, no, you're fine. We're and not going to charge you anymore. And then she tries to play the part of a scorned, not a scorned woman, but like a survivor, like an assaulted woman who's survived. That this. is the fucking worst point of it all. And that's why we don't stand she Jody. really was digging into that abuse victim survivor story mm-hmm. and wearing that shirt and being like, I am a survivor. I deserve to be let off. This had nothing. This was mm-hmm. none of my doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sick. And being able... I mean, granted, this is a real life story and a lot of people were affected by this. Mm-hmm. But being able to see... Something like this is just so eye-opening mm-hmm. because it is true. It is real. There's people like that out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy to think that there are people that just live with this kind of mm-hmm. mind and way of thinking and mm-hmm. way of life. It's it's so weird. I'm just grateful that she didn't get off and that she got life in prison and she's never going to get out. Oh, yeah. That is the bow on top. So thank you for giving yeah. me that bow that I wanted from the <laughs> beginning. Um Knowing that she got what she deserved is great and that her manipulation didn't continue. Mm -hmm. And her manipulation is now in the garbage where she belongs. Because she's trash. Absolute trash (laughs) Put her in the compactor. She's done. (laughs) Faking out the trash. At at night. night. (laughs) We just had to end on a SpongeBob note. (laughs) But yeah, that those are our love stories for today. I hope you enjoyed our special episode for you. Yeah, our nice little Valentine's Day episode. Hopefully you, especially you, who cares about your significant other? We're talking about you, babe. Hello, Hopefully you. you. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait for that show. Me too. But I hope you enjoy your Valentine's Day. You give yourself a lot of self-love. Because I hope you get yourself some flowers. Some maybe a little chocolate covered strawberry, little little chocolate covered anything. Take care of you, and if you have significant other, I mean, you can spoil them too. But make sure oh, to yes. take care of you. This is going to be the year of self growth, self love, and just make sure to love yourself, regardless of what you're going through. Things will get better. Not Paul getting all soft on us. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a fun year for me already. So I'm trying to... This is also me just speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Speak it into the void, babe. Yeah. So where Valentine's Day is all about love, just remember to love yourself a little extra today and going forward. And just make this year your year. Because you know what? You deserve it. And 2023 is... You're going to kick its ass. Yeah. It's I'm not going to kick you your over ass. There. Huh? I'm talking to you over huh. there. Okay. <laughs> 
But yeah, thank you so much for listening to our fun little episode today. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Isn't That Odd Pod, especially if you want to see the photos from today's episode and anything before. Most importantly, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or really anywhere you get your podcast. And something I forgot to mention is we're actually on YouTube now. Not yeah. in the sense of videos. we're recording and videos, but I know editing. we do have some people that like to listen on YouTube and have YouTube premium. So we wanted to appease to that crowd too. So if you don't necessarily listen on Spotify or Apple Music, you can find us now at Isn't That Odd Pod on YouTube. And you can listen to us there. Yep. And then um, in our link tree, which is linked in our bios, where we have a Google form so you can send us um, any kind of recommendations you have, true crime, paranormal, conspiracy that you want us to talk about, and we'll look into it. And if you have your own story that, your own personal story that you want us to talk about and you want us to hear about and what and if you have your own personal story that you want us to talk about and you want our commentary on you can email us you can email us at isn't that odd pot at gmail.com and maybe your story will end up on air because we do want to do a listener series so if we get enough traction on this we'll make it happen hell yeah so give us those stories girl especially because no one really know it except the people you told so it'll be new to us it'll be new to everyone else and It'll be a really cool little collaboration project with our listeners. So if you want to see that, make sure to send it our way. But that's all we got for today. And we will see you next week. With a brand new episode, brand new topics. I don't know what I'm talking about yet, surprisingly. Yeah, it's going to be the usual. That's a lie. Um, I know what I'm talking about already. I don't. I don't, I, even know what, I don't even know what uh, category I'm going to do, but that's to figure out the day before when I do my notes, just like every other time, just like today. Yeah, so make sure to tune into that. Follow us on every platform. Get our noti- little notifications. Support the podcast. And we will see you on the next one. Have a good day. Bye. What if it's an evening? Have a good evening. Bye. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Happy birthday. Happy birthday if it's your birthday, regardless. (laughs) Goodbye!